I wish that you would like my songs and would dance when you listen to them. And I wish that you'd understand me, but I know it isn't true. I wish that waxwork.com is a page that you visit. That's the truth, isn't it? And I wish it was page of the year, but I know that isn't true. I wish I was a celebrity that you would remember when your cat misbehaves. And I wish that I knew how to fly, but I know it isn't true. I wish my song was sung in English, that's my preferred language, and I wish my French was perfect, but I know it isn't true. Hello everyone, and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and this is a very serious show, uh, because we are uh, giving uh, the profits from this episode uh, to charity. This is a charity episode of Cast and Wax. It's uh, it's something that my understanding is that it's been growing in years, but it is a problem that we just feel the need to tackle. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into it, but a friend of ours has been suffering uh, from it, and a friend of the show. That if I told you who it was, you'd all know who it was. But I, I think I should leave it private. Uh, suffice to say, it is a close personal friend of the show who has appeared on the show a number of times. At any rate, um. It's a serious issue. We wanted to bring it to light and we wanted to share information and assistance with anybody who needed it. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we wanted to bring your attention to the issue of people eating lamps. Before we get into the issue in depth, let me just introduce the co-hosts of the show. Here with me is Mr. Frank Allen. Hello. It's good to be here. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Uh, of course, next to him is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Yes, hello. Good to, good to be here as well. Right. And, uh, and lastly, Mr. Scape White. Hello, Bob. This is a very serious issue. Thank you for covering it. You're welcome, Scape. You're welcome. Um, we're not, we're not sure how it all got started. I'll be honest with you. This is something that started, uh, coming to prominence, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago is when I first started hearing about it. Uh, no one really is able to trace the beginnings of the movement of people just eating lamps, but some have suggested it, it started off as a as a dare at a college party some 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 people suggest that it was uh, something that was just kind of thrown out as a joke by someone on the internet on a podcast or something and others suggest 
that it has much longer roots. Going back, it just was an underground thing and now has grown to, uh, to public knowledge. But uh, what we do know is that the numbers of people eating lamps has gone up in years. Uh, it has nearly tripled in the last year. And before that, uh, the previous year, it went up seven times what it was before that. And uh, the year before that, I think it was, well, reported cases was very low, like one or two. So, but as you can see, it's, it's over the years, it's been getting higher and higher uh, prominence. And unfortunately, more and more people are trying it. So when we heard about our good friend, um, well, Frank brought it to my attention. Is that right? Well, I, I mean, I told you that, that, that he did it. Right. That's what I mean. I mean, I, I just thought it was very strange. I, well, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I wasn't thinking of it as a charity event, but I thought, well, we should mention it because it's pretty weird. But is it really, I mean, is it really all that strange? You know, there's a history of people eating light bulbs. Well, yeah, okay. No, that's true, guys. That's true. But I mean, that's a very different kind of thing, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it is. I mean, eating light bulbs is a trick. Uh, what you, what you, what you might not realize. Uh, if you're listening to this, is that, yeah, you can actually eat a light bulb. What people do is, I mean, I don't recommend it. It's dangerous. Please don't. You know, don't, because, and also it's a gateway thing. But what, what, what people do is, uh, circus performers, a lot of them, you know, uh, geeks, things like that. They will, uh, what they'll do is they'll eat a light bulb. They'll, uh, the way you do it is you have to eat something right beforehand, right before you go on stage, like a banana, something soft, or, or lots of yogurt. And then what you do is you, you, eat the light bulb you don't eat the metal part first of all so that's part of it you 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 kind of subterfuge out of eating the metal part you just eat the glass part and you chew very thoroughly very thoroughly you have to chew it very finely and it and it ends up you know basically being sand but that's still not good for you but then it gets couched in the the food that you ate beforehand the banana and the yogurt or the yogurt or whatever and uh, it, it is able to pass through your system with little problems. Now, sometimes there are problems. So again, don't do it. And like Rory was suggesting, yes, I think what happened is people started eating light bulbs and then they thought, well, how far can I take this? And then they move on to, you know, there's, there's small table lamps that are also ceramic or glass, you know, so they can chew those just as much. And they thought, well, this is easy enough. Let's, let's continue. Let's keep the wires, you know, let's, let's do the metal pass. Let's do the lampshade, all of it. And I know now, now people are doing desk lamps, which are metal. I mean, that can't be good for you. And it isn't. And that's why people are ending up in the hospital. And this, whoever started this idea, I think is awfully ashamed of themselves and, you know, wants to do whatever they can to help. So wait, what, what, I don't, why did you say that? Why do you think whoever started this wants to help? I'm sure, I'm sure they do. I'm, I'm not saying I know. I'm saying I sure they do. So you're right. Uh, you're right. I don't know. So maybe they don't. Maybe they're jerks. Yeah, I think they are jerks because whoever would suggest to people that you could eat a lamp is, is foolish. Absolutely foolish. Absolutely moronically foolish. So at any rate, um, when I heard about our friend, I, I wanted to do something about it. I looked it up online. I found an organization that calls for the abolishing of scarfing of kilowatts, which is, I mean, kilowatts is a weird way to say it, but you know, lamps are plugged in, which, by the way, is another danger that you can get electrocuted if you don't unplug them first. But at any rate, they are an organization that is devoted to stopping people from eating lamps and uh, raising awareness about the dangers of eating lamps, of which we've named a few already. Um, there are other ones that you can get an infected lamp in your body. I mean, sometimes it'll get stuck in there and it can get infected. 
and then they have to surgically remove it, which is very dangerous. You know, I mean, all surgery is dangerous, obviously. So even if they can successfully get it out, there's a chance you could die. That's true. I mean, the, the surgery is, you know, they're cutting into your body. So there's always a chance something could go wrong. Even if, even if it is, I mean, yes, it's relatively easy to, to find a lamp on an x-ray or, or on a, on a, MRI. Well, you know. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they look, you know, they look very different from anything internal. They look electronic and shaped like a lamb. But regardless, you know, it, it's just not, it's not something that is healthy. It's not something that's good for you. There's no benefits to it. Well, no physical benefits to it. Now, I, I, I do want to speak to, for a moment, to the one benefit that people claim for it, which is that it looks cool. <sighs> no, I know. Seriously. I know. But people think it does because they say, well, you know, I was at a party and, uh, wanted to fit in and even one-up them. So I said, oh, I can get this lamp in. And they just, they, they eat the lamp and it's not pretty. Yeah. I mean, at parties like that, at parties where lots of people are doing it and everybody's encouraging each other, they, often they will have what you call a blackout lamp eating. Ugh, it's disgusting. I know. I know. Which is where the people at the party will eat every lamp in the entire house and there's no light anymore to see by. And sometimes people trip. People who aren't even eating the lamp sometimes will trip and get hurt. So it's a danger to others too. Yes, it is a danger to others. And don't, don't think that it isn't that, oh, you're just doing it to yourself. But you know what? You're not. That's a selfish way of looking at it. There are other people who are affected by these things. People need to see. So selfish. I know. Look, I know. At any rate, um, we send all our best to our, our good friend. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't want to say his name on the podcast, but I will say to him, everybody here cares about you. Everybody here loves you. You know, we all want what's best for you. If you want, I mean, if you want to come forward and say it's you who's been doing this, you know, maybe people can learn from your, you know, your mistakes, from your experiences. So, you know, again, feel free to write into us, castandwax at gmail.com and share your experiences with this. Or, you know, people who aren't this friend, if, if you, if you know someone who's gone through this, you know, please feel free to write in, feel free to let us uh, share your experiences, share their experiences, share what you've learned. Um, it's a serious issue. And, um, Everybody, I'm sure, at the organization calling for the abolishment of the scarfing of kilowatts will appreciate what you have to say. And they appreciate the money that we're making off of this episode and uh, all the all the, the money that we're giving to them. Because they, from what I understand, they need the money very badly. So, anyway, I'm um, sorry. Sorry to bring everything down. It's just um, it's serious. It's all right, Jordan. It's all right. I know. Anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, what else is new, guys? Well, um... Oof, not too much. I'm still working at the supermarket. Nothing, nothing new on that end. Okay, okay. And how, how about you, Rory? How are things going with the um, the Hirohito Loveberger Institute for Extra Historical Studies? Yeah, that's the one. How, how are things going there? Excellent. Um, obviously, as I said, we don't start until next semester, but things are going swimmingly as far as hiring of of of, of other teachers and lecturers and and administrators. And you know, we're we're getting applications all sorts, and we're beginning to start collecting, you know money for people reserving spots so it's already bringing in income which is nice well that's excellent that's great for you oh and uh on my end uh things are going not too bad at the bronx zoo again we're, we're you know it's it's early days yet there's a lot to be done to change over from what is a traditional i don't know what to call it i guess despotic monarchic <laughs> specigarchy of of a traditional zoo form uh over to the socialist uh, state that we are we're instilling it in but there progress is being made 
Um, from what I understand from Doc Mike, he has got things going on swimmingly. He's not here today, but hopefully maybe next week we'll be able to bring him back on for a quick report. Uh, what I can report is that we have officially changed the name of the zoo. Uh, traditionally, it was just called the Bronx Zoo. Uh, I think it had a longer name, but everybody just called it the Bronx Zoo. Now we are calling it the Bronx Zooviet Socialist Republic, uh, B, the BZSR. So I think that people will notice the changes as they start coming to it. Um, we do still charge to get in, but that money then becomes evenly distributed amongst the animals. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. If you have a chance, if you're in the neighborhood, please swing by. Um, we could always use the money. And uh, you know, Rory, uh, Rory's right nearby, right? You, people could swing by your place too. Well, I mean, no, we don't give tours of the Hirohito Loveburger Institute. So, although I suppose if you if you contact me ahead of time when you're going to to visit the Bronx Zoo, the, the Bronx Zooviet Socialist Republic. Um. Yes, right. If, if you if you contact me when you're going to do that, I, I could try to meet you for a one-on-one -on -one reading of extra historical reading, um, which I would charge you for, and we could meet in a neutral location like a you know uh, a Starbucks or something like that, and you know I could give you the reading. It would cost you money, and that would be nice. Sure. Okay. So uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you for for your your contributions. And uh, what else can I have to say? What else can I have to say? Lots. Uh, we've got all sorts of things for you on the show today. First of all, we've got a Slam Jackson. It's been a few weeks since we've had a Slam Jackson episode, but we've got one right now. We've got some This Day in History and Where Are They Nows in Histories for y'all to listen to. And we've also got the next episode of Scapey Stories, in which Scapey, our good friend, tells another chapter of the Friday the 13th saga. Yes, I do. And I like it very much. You, you're a big fan of the Friday the 13th saga, aren't you? Yes. Well, let me tell you what. Oh, that's what I was. That's what I was going to ask you to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's what it is. A long time ago, when I was pretty young, maybe like one or two, I forget. Yeah, I think around there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad. That's Jordan. Yeah, that's me. My dad was like, "Hey, I'm going to watch a bunch of movies called Friday the Thirteenth," and I was a very young cat at the time. And mom was in the other room studying with her door closed because sometimes I would go in and I'd be like, mom, pay attention to me. And she's like, Scaper, I'm doing work. Ma, 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 ma. But dad was in the other room watching a movie. So I would just go, hey, dad, can I watch this movie review? And he'd be like, yeah, have a seat. And so I would sit and watch the movie. And it was like a really nice bonding experience for my dad. That's what I felt like. Like, really good about it. I agree, Scape. I think it was really nice watching it with you, too. Thank you. And that was the first time I ever saw those movies. Well, most of them. I think I saw Jason X before I saw the others, but I hadn't seen any of the, the Friday the 13th movies. I, I rented them all uh, from a Hollywood video nearby and watched them one at a time over the course of maybe a month. And I've, I, I thought it was really cool. I'm glad you liked it. And also, I had my Jason action figure uh, most of the time out with, with me watching yeah, it. Yeah, I do. I remember that, too, because I would come up... And, and I would rub on Jason. I'd be like, I love you, Jason. Purr, purr, purr. I love you. I, I remember that very well. Very strange cat. No, no, Dad, no. That, I was I was sharing a bonding experience with you. Right, no. I mean, yes, that is absolutely true. I just thought it was funny that you rub on the, the, the zombie murderer. Dad! What? You're spoiling. Everybody knows that he's the murderer. Yeah, but nobody knows. Nobody knows how he becomes a zombie. <laughs> I think they do. I know that. Yeah, but you probably watched them. Uh, no. I never saw those movies. Well, whatever. It's still a spoiler. I don't, I don't want to hear no spoilers. You've already seen it. Yeah, but I 
I'm telling, I'm retelling the stories, Dad. So if you're like, hey, I'm going to tell you that there's this thing that happens later, people are like, oh, I don't have to listen to it now. You have to listen to it because that's how you find out what happens. Don't listen to this jerk. Well, I thought we were, what happened to our bonding experience? Now I'm a jerk. Well, don't be a jerk. I won't call you jerk. That's how it is. <sighs> Fine. Anyway, look, uh, scabby story. It's an unusual one. You'll get to that in a bit. And then uh, last thing we've got. On this episode is another episode of Nathan Van Etten Saves Vermont, which is uh, highly enjoyable. So, everybody get yourself ready to give a little listen, and we will be back after the shows to do your audience mail and some other stuff. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Talk to you soon. Slam Jackson! Adventurist! Pete Bowers and Charles Berman. Season 2, Episode 12, The Livestock Larceny. Our story begins on wavering audience with the heroic hammer of the horrible and famed adventurist Slam Jackson. You know, on stakeouts, you usually try to be quiet. I do? I don't think I'd noticed. I don't remember ever being on a stakeout before. That's because I've never brought you before. Because you're... Extremely loud. Sit silently and wait with me on a stakeout! And I wouldn't be if I didn't have to. We're supposed to be quietly observing, and everyone on the street is looking at us. Because of your voice. Hey! Quiet! I'm trying to sleep up here! Sorry! As they wait in tense silence. I said quiet! Hidden completely so as to catch their nefarious prey unaware. Okay, that's it, I'm calling the cops. When suddenly, not knowing what awaits him, Slam Jackson's greatest arch nemesis, the notorious one-time livestock thief Greg of Lamb, exits the brownstone building across the street. Yeah, look, he's waving at us. Hello, hi. (sighs) Well, I'm definitely not inviting you next time. All right. Stop right there, Greg. Why? See that lamb there? (laughs) I happen to know that you stole it. Mr. Overbrook, the farmer, hired me to find it. You're right. I know that. Okay, well, you better give it back. I'll think about it. Okay, thought about it. See you later. And with the assurance of a man with an automobile and a driver's license, Greg of Lamb leaps into action, climbing with the lamb into his 1976 Ford pickup. He starts the engine and pulls away from the curb! Goodbye, Sram. Goodbye, Route Guy. I should have figured this would happen. Quick! After him! Okay. How? You're the detective! And you're the guy that got my car insurance cancelled. I can't drive after him. And suddenly, with a flash of genius equal in brightness to the light of a thousand lava lamps, our powerful promoter of the perfection comes up with a brilliant idea of how to follow his foe without the use of a car. Okay. Hail a cab. And you're paying. But you know I never carry cash. And besides, there are no cabs. Okay. Plan C. And with the ingenuity of someone coming up with an idea, Slam Jackson heroically commandeers the nearest... Rickshaw? Ding. Sir, yeah. Uh, and J-E. Sir, yeah, Sir, Oh. Okay, darling. 
And speaking Chinese with the fluency of someone speaking a language I don't understand at all, so have no idea how fluent he is, Slam Jackson commandeers the rickshaw without its owner seeming to mind? Sure, we can say that's what happened. And with the patience of two people with no known mode of propulsion, Slam and I wait in the rickshaw, waiting for it to move. Okay, you're the one that stole the insurance payment. Giddy up. With the assurance of someone who knows that his employer is kidding, I continue to sit right here. I mean it. Start pulling. Okay, look. Greg of Lamb has a car. He's way ahead of us. There's no way we'll ever catch up to him. I know. He keeps stopping to look over his shoulder and laugh. Besides, I'm a detective. I looked up his address and phone number. Good plan. Let me see that. Hello, Greg! Yes? I was wondering, do you accept bribes? Huh? What kind of bribes? Well, I'd really rather not have to drive a rickshaw after you. How about I just refund you the cost of the lamb and we call it square? You know what? Sure. Nice doing business with you. Okay, I'll head back. Where did you get the money to buy a lamb? My wallet! Oh! You mean before that? Well, I found you a great money-making scheme. You know that one-dollar coin hanging on your wall? Yes? I sold it for four hundred! That's a three hundred and ninety-nine dollar profit! It was worth four thousand! Wow, you got ripped off! And you're selling my coin collection? Really, Slam? One coin hardly constitutes a collection. That does it. Get over here. Come on, don't walk away. Should I stop walking away? Where does Slam Jackson keep the rest of his coin collection? Was it insured against theft? Ha ha ha! Well, not anymore, I guess. As Slam Jackson relaxes after another successful battle against crime, with the infamous Greg of Lamb lying in ignominious defeat, he looks strangely annoyed rather than victorious. Uh-oh! Put on your game face, ladies and gentlemen, for the exciting match of Russian Roulette that will be the next week's episode of Slam Jackson! Adventure! Get back here! In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, the narrator was Mickey Weissner, Slam Jackson was Jack Kunrad, Greg of Lamb was Ed Jones, Lamb was Julia Kelly, Tired person was Pete Bowers, and Chinese person was Julia Kelly. Welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is WHRW Binghamton. On May 14, 1948, in Tel Aviv, Jewish Agency Chairman David Ben-Gurion proclaims the State of Israel, establishing the first Jewish state in 2,000 years in an afternoon ceremony at the Tel Aviv Art Museum. Ben-Gurion pronounced the words, We hereby proclaim the establishment of the Jewish state in Palestine to be called Israel. Well, good thing we got rid of all those Muslims. Now we can live in perfect peace and harmony. I don't know, I kind of miss them. Hey, is that a baby unattended in a high chair? Dude, let's kick it over. Totally. Yeah, we're not going to have peace until this baby is tipped. I think it might be Muslim. Whoops. Now let's do our cheer. One, two, three, Jews! Of course, uh, when the United Nations learned that the Jewish state of Israel was making a habit of leaving babies unattended and then tipping them over and killing them, they did disband the country. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton.
What we just told you was true from a certain point of view. My name is Sir Alec Guinness, and this is Celebrity, Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And while you might not be familiar with a world in which the Jews constantly knock babies over and kill them, take another look and you'll see, from a certain point of view, metaphorically, for example, it might just be true. What if I said to you that the baby represented a Nazi war criminal, and leaving them in a chair unattended and then knocking them over represents capturing them and leaving them to starve to death until you shoot them in the head and they fall over dead like that? If that was the case, would you then be comfortable saying that the state of Israel had never left a baby in a chair and knocked them over, with the understanding that we're talking again about Nazi war criminals and shooting them in the head? I don't think you would. Uh, when it comes to Nazi war criminals, of course, it's not right to secretly shoot them in the head. You should really bring them before the world and let them be tried in a public fashion. And when it comes to babies, you shouldn't leave them in chairs unattended and knock them over and kill them. Uh, there's, there's pretty much no disagreement there. Uh, even among the people of Israel, children should be attended at all times, and that doesn't even depend on your point of view. My name is Sir Alec Guinness, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Scabby Stories from a Cat in the Dark. Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White and this is a very unusual episode. Uh, we are going to be continuing our telling of Friday the 13th with the telling of Friday the 13th Part 2. The problem is we, we actually recorded this a, a few weeks ago and there was a problem with the audio quality. So uh, Scape told the story to our good friend Lynn Nelson and she listened to it, you know, as one often does. And we, we recorded the entire thing, but uh, unfortunately the audio is unusable. So we had to record it again. But rather than start from scratch, uh, what we decided to do was just reenact that first telling with uh, with Frank Allen taking the role of Lynn Nelson. Hello, Frank. Hi. Uh, I don't know how I got roped into this. Well, but it's nice of you to it's nice of you to help out. So uh, Scape is going to be telling the story as always, and he's going to be telling it to Frank. Although Frank is going to be Lynn and making the comments that Lynn made. That's right. Um, yeah, but you're not going to do it with your own voice, right? What? Well, what? Well, I was gonna, yeah. Why? Because well, you don't sound like Lynn. Well, no, but what? I mean, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, like do a girl voice. Yeah, just go. Just be. Oh, I'm a girl. Well, that was your. That was your same voice. No, that was my girl version. <laughs> well, regardless, I think you know what I, you know what I mean. Well, I do, but I just Frank. Just <sighs> well, okay. So sort of like a. Hi, I'm Lynn Nelson. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, hi, Scape. Thank you for having me on the show. You're very welcome, Lynn. Pulitzer Prize winner, Lynn Nelson. That is. Oh yes, sir. Uh, thank you for saying that, so I don't have to. You're very welcome. Uh, okay, so Scape. Um. Should we get right to it? Do, we do I have to do a recap? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We probably should do a recap of part one for those who weren't listening. Okay. Real quick. Once upon a time, oh, man, there was a camp and had a bunch of kids and somebody started killing them all, killing the kids like, like teenagers. And they all got killed except uh, one of them got away. And it turns out it was this lady named Mrs. Voorhees who did it. And she was like, a long time ago, my son drowned and I'm mad about it. So I killed you all. That's what I did. Then she dies. Uh, gets her head chopped off. The end. That was a very fast recap of Friday the 13th. I was going to say part one, but I guess it was just called Friday the 13th at the time. All right. So now it's going to be part two. Yes. Friday the 13th. Part 2 by Ron Kurz and Phil Scudero. Okay, so like, once upon a time, do you remember the thing I just told you about Friday the 13th Part 1? Yes. Okay, good. So like, the only girl who lived through that movie, uh, her name was Alice, and it's a little bit later, and she's at her home, and she's like, oh, hey, uh, I'm still alive, because I live through that, so, you know, that's cool. <laughs> and she's talking on the phone, hi, Mom, how's it going? I'm good. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm good. I almost died, you know, but I'm good now, so. Okay, bye. And, uh, somebody 
being killed is a nurse's death. That's that's what happens. She just gets she's dead. How does she die? She's killed, killed. Yeah, but like how? Like a knife. Like a knife or was it a knife? It's a it's a knife. Let's say it's a knife. Like she was stabbed. Eh, stabbed. Probably screams, No, don't kill me! But she dies. Friday the thirteenth part two That's what it's called. Five years later, okay, after after that thing I just told you. Five years after that, a bunch of kids are like coming back to the camp again. Just like in the first one, because cause they're like, hey, we're gonna um open up a camp. What do you think about that? Again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been like five years. Do they know about the other one? Yeah, of course they know. That's ridiculous, of course. They definitely know. Do you know how I know that they know? Is that the guy who is like, it's just a bunch of teenagers coming to the camp. Not the children yet. Just the teenagers. The guy who's like, hey, uh, thank you all for coming. I'm going to train you how to be camp counselors. Uh, hey, uh... It's going to be right and uh, spooky. And there's a campfire. Uh, why don't I tell you a spooky story? Uh, <laughs> this is where a bunch of people got killed. Did you know that? It's true, yeah. And uh, this woman, Mrs. Voorhees, was like killing a bunch of people. And then she got her head chopped off. Okay, what do you think about that? That's pretty spooky. Yeah, that's what, that's what they said. And also, uh, this is where her son, by the way, let me just tell you, his name was Jason. Okay. Uh, he drowned many years before that. But you know what? Um... Maybe he didn't. What do you think about that? Maybe he's arrived. <laughs> no, he probably dropped. Well, yeah, but but you know what? There was a girl who lived through the, all of that stuff that happened with all the killing, and now she's gone. She disappeared. So that was like five years ago. I mean, but maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, that was Jason who did that. What do you think about that? Well, she was probably just scared. Well, she probably moved away. I wouldn't stay around. No, because her parents didn't even find her. So well, maybe she ran away. Well, yeah, maybe. But you know, maybe it was Jason. Also. And then, all of a sudden, a person jumps out, ah! and, and he's like, oh no, ah, oh, 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 no. ah, yeah, like that. And then, oh, no, I'm just joking, <laughs> it wasn't Jason, it's just me, I was, I'm just a friend of yours who was, thought it would be funny to scare you, it was a practical joke. There's no reason to be scared, Jason is probably dead, well, so. I, I got scared. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was funny, though. Well. I guess. Well, that, well, that's why I did it, because it was funny. So. Oh, that was you who did that? No, no, I'm, I'm being a character. I'm, I was being the guy who scared them. I thought you were being a character, too. No, I, I was scared. So you were the guy telling the story, and was the same guy who jumped out? No, no, that was a different guy. Oh, okay. There was a, there was a bunch of guys. There was a whole bunch of guys. Oh, and you're just all of them? Well, I, I, I'm whoever I need to be to get the story across. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so don't worry, guys. Jason is dead. It's, we all know that. It's fine. By the way, <laughs> I didn't mention last movie. <laughs> Scapey. Well, there was, there was something I left out at the beginning of the last movie. I'm sorry. At the beginning of the last movie, there was a guy who goes like this. You are all doomed. Hey, there's a, a blood curse. You are doomed. Right there. What kind of a guy was that? An old guy. What? Was it a crazy guy? Well, I mean, they all died, so... He's just wandering around the camp going, you're all doomed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, he's wandering around town. He saw them in town. Well, guess what? He shows up here, too, and he goes, uh, you guys are all doomed, too, so... Uh, how about that? Well, you're not allowed on campground. Well, you're not a camp. Well, that's what they say. And he's like, well, you're still doomed, so I'm going to go now. So then when he goes, do you know what happens? What? Somebody kills him. So he was doomed. Well, it turns out he was also doomed. He got choked to death with like a, like a very small rope. Well, why didn't somebody use a bigger rope? They didn't need it. It was like they had two hands choke like that. Oh, like a piano wire type thing? Well, uh, there, was, there was no piano, but the guy choked, so... Okay. So he's dead. Then, two of the camp counselors, there's a boy and a girl, and they're like, hey, do you want to, um, 
Do you want to go see the place where all those people died and maybe uh, do it? And they're like, yeah. No, that's how you die. No, they don't know that. They said Jason was dead. They, they think Jason's dead. Don't do it. They still think Jason's dead. Don't do it. They think Jason's dead. They have no reason not to do also, it. Also, you're teenagers and you're probably too young to do it. No, no. We're going to be fine. We're, we're good. We're good. We're going to go do it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, look. There's a dead animal. What the? Oh, a police officer. What the? And the police officer's like, go back to your stupid camp. You're just a bunch of jerks. And they're like, okay, I guess we will. What is he there for, the dead animal? No, he's like watching. He's like to make sure they don't trespass where there was dead people. So I mean, they're not still dead people there, but stay out of the place where they died. Stay in your own camp. They're like really next door to where they died. It's like the crappiest job ever. He just sits there and makes sure nobody comes over. No, to... he doesn't just sit there. He like he just does other stuff, bro. He's wandering by. And he's like, oh, you get out of here. Okay. So he takes him back to where they were, and then he drives away. And then while he's driving, he sees somebody jump out of the forest, and he's like, oh, I'm already stupid kids running around, what the, I'm gonna go in and find him and tell him to go back to their stupid camp, and, uh, he's following where the person went, and he's like, oh, they went into this little, uh, creepy shack. Well, okay, I'll go in there, I guess. Uh, time to get out of here, so. Wow, this is a creepy shack. Oh my goodness, what is that? What is that horrifying thing I'm looking at? I am horrified by it. Oh my god. I did not get killed. Dead. He, he narrates his own death? Well, I mean... You could just see it in the movie, but there's no pictures. Well, how did he die? He got a hammer in the head. That's a really awesome death. Yeah. Well, you should have mentioned well, that. Well, it was the sharp part in the head. What? The sharp part of the hammer. Oh, the sh the sharp part. Yeah, that's what I said, the sharp part. Oh, I thought you said the shark part. No, there's no shark part. There's no sharks. I'm talking about the hammer with the pointy part. Come on. Okay. Into his head. So, now he's dead. That guy's dead. Yeah. He's dead. Well, yeah, you would be. So the camp counselors are, like, doing their thing, and they're like, oh, cool, I know how to be a counselor now. Boop, 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 boop. And then some of them are like, hey, you guys want to go to town and party? And the other ones are like, yes or no. Those are the options. Dep depending on who they are. Some of them say yes, some of them say no. So, some of them go to the party. I mean, I mean to the town to party. And some of them are like, we could have our own party right here, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, These are such lusty children. Well, they're not children. They're like teenagers, you know. Maybe they're like 18. Okay. Let's assume. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't expressing shock at teenagers being lusty. Oh, good. Because that's obvious, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it's like they're all put together in this group and they don't know each other and they're like, hey, do you want to do it? Yeah, that's how you do it. You have to have a boy and a girl. Well, yeah. So, the girl is like, I'm going to go swimming. Uh, nudie. <laughs> because nobody's around so I could just take off all my clothes and go swimming. And a boy is like, I'm secretly around so I'm going to check this out. That kind of ruins a secret, doesn't it? Well, he doesn't say it to her, but then what he does is he steals her clothes. He just goes, I'm going to take the clothes. And she comes out and she's like, where's, where's my clothes? And he's like, I got him. <laughs> And she's chasing him, and he's running, and all of a sudden, what did you He gets caught in a trap, and the trap has him dangling from a tree, like, with a rope. Oh, okay, like, like it was hidden under the leaves. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he's swinging from the trees, and he's like, uh, I don't like this, so can you get me down? And she's like, hey, that's funny, because you are a jerk. <laughs> I'm gonna put my clothes on, and, she, and he's like, get me down! And she's like, alright, I'm gonna go get my knife. It's in the other room. I mean, it's in our, our room, because we're outside, so I gotta go to a room and get it. And so she goes, and he's like, I don't like hanging here. Oh, somebody kills him. Ow. We've, uh... You always forget to tell how it happens, which is the cool part. We've a chop of his, uh, to make blood come out with like a machete. Chop of his 
to make bread come out with a machete. Break his neck, probably his neck. So he gets sliced across the neck with a machete. Yeah, yeah. He's hanging upside down. His bread is coming out. He's dead. So then the girl comes back with a knife and she's like, doo, 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 doo. what the? Well, it looks like she did it. She had a knife. No, it doesn't look like she did it. She wasn't even there. I was there. Oh, I, mean, oh. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. No, no, no. You have really sharp claws, Scape. You could have done yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't. So anyway, so she's like, oh, no. Uh, and then she probably does too. I don't know. I can't remember. She. I'm going to say she probably gets killed. You don't remember? No, I don't think we see it, but it's pretty safe to assume that. She, she's dead. This person, whoever it is, um, probably killed her. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, um, so, there's a couple of people in the cabin, and one of them is, uh, a dude in a wheelchair, okay? Oh, he's dead, isn't he? No, he's alive. Well, I mean, he's gonna die. Well... <sighs> Why are you spoiling? He's in a wheelchair. Yeah, well, that means he's arrived. So, because he's in a wheelchair. So anyway, uh, there's also a guy and a girl, and they're like, see you later, wheelchair guy. We're going to go upstairs and uh, do it. Wheelchair guy's like, oh, I guess I don't get to do it. Fine, I'll go outside. Huh. He goes outside with his little wheels, and, and then uh, he gets killed. He gets machete in him, and then pushed down the stairs. And and he's dead. Ow! I told you he was gonna die. Well, you called it, so good. Anyway, upstairs there's the other two who are doing it, and the person who was doing all the killing walks inside the house, and it's like, oh, somebody left a spear here. That's convenient. I would take it. <laughs> so he takes the spear. What kind of a camp is this? Well, they probably have a thing where they teach spirit. What? Like to kill fish. That's uh, ridiculous. He doesn't want to kill fish. So, anyway, the point is, he takes a spear, and he's like, do, 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 do. I'll go upstairs. I think I hear somebody doing it. Okay. Uh, and uh, they are doing it. And he goes, oh, perfect, because that's what I wanted to do, is kill people doing it. And so he kills him with the spear. So they die. Scape, I like uh, how accurately you're getting into this killer's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know how he thinks. He's like, yeah, I want to kill him. And then he does. So then another girl comes by and she's like, I'm going to check out what's going on. And he kills her too. I, I mean, basically, I don't know if you know, but like, he's killing all of the people who are around. That's, that's like his MO. That's what it sounds like. So, Not his MF. No, that's different. So then uh, two of the people who went out to party uh, come back to the camp and they're like, we're done partying, so we're gonna come back to the camp. They are Jimmy, who is a girl, and Paul, who is a guy who is running the camp, and they're together. Meanwhile, the killer is, like, moving all the dead bodies around, and, you know, this and that, other things, and playing with them and stuff, and so the, they're, like, they come in, and they're, like, oh, the lights don't work. That's weird. Uh, huh. Holy crap, there's all this blood! What's all this blood? Oh! There's dead people! Oh, it's horrible, this! Oh! And not like they're moving, but like they're just bodies. Oh, they're dead! They're, they're, they shouldn't be dead because they should be alive. And Paul's like, you're right. But then he gets attacked by a person who was doing all the killing! And, um, over the person who's doing all the killing, remember how I just told you that that was happening? Yes. She has, like, like a sack over his head. Well, how does he see? It's got a hole in it. I wonder why he did that. Well, um... Is he really ugly or something? Well, I... I mean, I can't spoil it for you, but he's got a sack instead of... Well, not instead of a head. He's got a head, but it's in the sack and he's got a... Instead of seeing his head, you can see the sack on his head. Okay. And he's got a little hole to, like, peep 
Fur and he's attacking Paul. I will kill you, Paul, is what he's thinking. But he doesn't say. These are where the lights are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your eyes get used to the right, so. Oh, okay. So the girl is like, I do not want to watch this. I'm leaving. She runs away into the forest. But, guess what? The guy with the sack on his head is chasing her now, okay? So, I bet you could have guessed. Anyway, so she finds that same little cabin that the policeman went into. When he died, remember that? Uh-huh. She finds it too. And she's like, going in here seems like a good idea for some reason, so, so I'm gonna do it. So she goes in. And, uh, do you remember when the police officer was like, I see something that is horrifying and it's horrible. I'm horrified by this thing I see. Yeah, I remember. His face was all horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy sees it too. Oh, no. But do you know what it is? Well, it's horrifying. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, but I'll tell you what it is. What is it? Okay. Um, so, do you remember... The first movie? Oh, kind of. I said there was a woman named Mrs. Voorhees and she was scared. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. And at the end, she got her head chopped off. Yeah, yeah, chopped off. Was her head? Yeah, 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 exactly. Somehow, the person who lives in this shack got her head. Okay. Ew, now it's like five years old. Yeah, it's like five years old. Gross. Oh! But you can still tell it's her. Also, the shirt that she was wearing. Just on her head? No, no, it's not like on her head. Her head is on the shirt. Like the shirt is weighing down, you know. And then they up where the head should be is... Her head. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like a head with a shirt. Uh, okay. Kind of, kind of. Okay. Kind of, yeah, kind of. But it's like you said, it's horrifying. It's like, ah, uh, not because of the shirt, but because of the head. Well, five-year-old smelly shirt is probably pretty horrifying, too. Well, if you had a head and a shirt, it doesn't matter how old the shirt is. The head is grosser. Yeah, so that's what it is. Usually heads are grosser than shirts. That's why she's going, ah, oh, gross. That's horrifying. It's the head, not the shirt. So, in addition to the head and the shirt, there's also dead bodies, you know, from the people who got killed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dead bodies. Yeah, like other people who died. I thought they were in the other place. Some of them, but some of them are here, too. Okay. Including, do you know who? Iris, the girl who died at the beginning. Oh. And she's here. So this guy killed her too, whoever, wherever she was. He walked to her and killed her and then brought her all the way back here. Anyway, so she's like, oh, look at all the dead things. It's gross. And then she's basically like, oh, I think I figured out what happened. Some guy killed everyone. No, no, no. More specific. I think I figured it out. Um, what happened was, a long time ago, a little boy was drowning, right? Jason. Yes, Jason. And what happened was, he didn't really drown, though. But we all, well, not we all, but everybody thought he drowned, right? But really, he didn't. Okay. And really, he, like, I don't know, ran off into the woods, I guess, and just lived there forever. And, um... Then, he was kind of creeping around and peeking at people, and he saw his mother's head get chopped off, and he was pissed off. And then he killed the girl who chopped the head off, and now he's killing all of us. That's what happened, I think. That's her logical conclusion? Yeah, 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 that's what she figures out. But, Jason's coming. She's like, oh crap, Jason's coming, and... Because I figured out it was him, I think. Um, I have to figure out a way to trick him now. So, she figures out a way to trick him, and she grabs the shirt, the sweater, and she puts it on. And Jason comes in, and she's like, Jason, I'm your mother. See, look at my shirt. That would totally fool me. Well, it fooled Jason, and Jason's like, oh, well, I better behave for my mother. And, and, um, she's like, Jason, you gotta stop killing people. And then Jason, all of a sudden, he's like, it's working. Uh, it works. See, he's like, oh, I, uh, Mom, I'm sorry. I shouldn't kill people, I guess. I... And then he goes, wait. I spy with my little eye through the sack that I'm looking through my mother's dead head. So you're not my mother. Hey, because your dead head's over there. He's like, okay, now I'm going to 
kill you for pretending to be my mother. Also, I mean, I probably would kill you anyway, because I do that. But jump into the room, then! It's Paul! He's not dead. You thought he was dead, but he isn't. Oh, I totally thought he was dead. Yeah, because he was fighting Jason, but he's not dead. So he jumps in the room, and he's like, get off of her! And then Jenny grabs a machete, and she's like, I will chop you! And she chops into Jason. Not taking off his head, but just it goes, like, into him, like, into his shoulder, like, cut your chunk! Right in there. And Paul and Jenny are like, we are getting out of here. And they run and they run. And they get into a, a cabin. And they're like, we think that Jason is dead. Probably. Because we, you know, we we chopped him. He, he's got a got a big chop in him. He, he, if it happened to me, I would be dead. So he's probably dead. But anyway, uh, we're just going to rock the door and stay here. Because that's scary. So, okay. Smash! Through the window! It's Jason! Oh my god, I thought he was dead. That's what they thought, but they were like, we're wrong, I guess, because... Ah! Uh, well, then, Jenny wakes up. And she's like, oh, what happened? What, what, what? They're putting her in the ambulance. And they're like, oh, you're okay, you're okay. And she's like, uh, what happened to Paul? And they're like, I don't know. The end. What? The end. That's a terrible ending. So that's how it ends. That's so anticlimactic. Well, there's still, like, ten more movies. What? They're just like, I don't know where he went. And... They don't know where he went. She's like, where's Paul? They're like, I don't know. It's like if I went to you and I was like... Hey, where's George? I don't know George. Yeah, exactly. They don't know who Paul is. They're just putting you in an ambulance. Just like, you gotta go to the hospital. But isn't it like spooky at the end? Like, do 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 It's not like, there was never any person named Paul. You must be crazy. No, I know, but like, he's gone and there's a murderer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if I, if I had to put money, I would say... He's probably dead. Well, it's ominous. It's ominous that he dies? Everybody dies. No, no. The end of the movie is like ominous. There's a murderer out there and no one knows it. I think they know there's a murderer because they everybody died. They're not like, what are you talking about? You're the only person at the camp. There's nobody else dead. They know. Everybody's dead. I wasn't insinuating that. I'm just... I mean, she's in an ambulance, and she's like, where's Paul? And they're like, I don't know. They don't know where he is. Well, you made her sound like whatever. Instead of like, oh, spooky story. Yeah, but they're like, what happened? And they're, they're like, I don't know. We're taking you to the hospital. Okay. Okay. So that's how it ends. Well, that's not a very good ending. I didn't write it. Well, I'm not criticizing you. Good. Well, you could have told it a little scary. Okay, okay. Uh, they're like, we don't know where Paul is. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. There you go. Much better. Okay. Who's Paul? What? No, it's over. Is that like after the credits? After the credits, yeah. And it's like, who's Paul? Is that in is it in writing or did somebody say it? It doesn't really say it. I'm just I was just saying. Okay. So that's how that went in. So you can see that Jason was the killer that time. They thought he was dead, but He's not. He wasn't dead. I think that um a lot of problems could have been avoided by like Checking to see if he was dead many years ago. Probably. Like, instead of just being like, where's Jason? Oh, he probably drowned. Well, usually they actually look for a body. I mean, they probably know he drowned. Well, they didn't, because he was alive. So they they couldn't find a body. Well, what I'm saying is they don't usually go, oh, somebody disappeared, he probably drowned. They see somebody drown, or disappear. So he was, like, flopping around in the water. And they do, like, an extensive search, and after a long time of not being able to find a body, they assume somebody's dead. But he was really just creeping around. Yes. In the forest, going, you're not finding me. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, so, do you remember how he had, like, a sack over his head? Yeah. Well, he was real ugly. <laughs> I even asked you about that. And you said, no, I shouldn't spoil well, it. Yeah, I, it was revealed later, but I forgot. You took the sack off his head? Yeah, I can't remember when. That's a big climactic reveal. Oh, 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 you know what it was? It was when he jumped in the window. He didn't have the sack on anymore. That's what it was. Well, what did he look like? Ugly. Well, like, how ugly? Ten. Well, like, describe his face. Uh, okay. Like, imagine... Like a face, 
But, like, it's not right at all. It's, like, ugly. In what way? It's, like, lumpy and ugly. Lumpy? Yeah. Like, disfigured? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you should have told that one when it happened, because that would have been much more entertaining. Well, just, like, pretend that's what I did. Okay. He jumped in ugly. <sighs> okay, good uh, good job, Skate. He jumped in ugly. He jumped in ugly. And they're like, not only are we scared that you are going to kill us. But you're also ugly. Yeah, yeah. We're also very put off by your appearance. All right, so is that the moral of the story? No, that's not the moral. Is that if you're ugly? No, no, I mean, check to see if he's dead. Oh, uh... No, no, I mean, that's good advice, but... No, check to see... Do you ever see when I come across... A thing, and uh, I'm like, I'm gonna touch it, but like, real fast, like fast, touch, touch, like that, like, okay, didn't move, okay, that's how I check. Okay, so they should have found his body. Well, that's the thing, they couldn't find his body. Oh, you mean when he drowned? Yeah, that's what you were saying. Oh no, I thought you were talking about. No, that was from the first movie. That was like 50 years ago. That was like a long time ago. Right, right. Well, yeah, they should have done that. Yeah, of course. But that's not the scary moral. Well, then what's the scary moral? Well, I think, again, the scary moral is, uh, well, it's like there's there's kind of two, I guess. The first one is, like, you shouldn't be doing it so much because you're, you're done. That's a good one. <laughs> right, like, because just like the first one. The first one was like, you should do your job instead of doing it, Shracker. Uh-huh. And this one is like, same thing. If you are doing a job, don't be doing it instead. Wait, I have a philosophical question. Do you think that if Jason had come into the building and had they had been like sitting around doing paperwork, he would have been like, oh, okay, you're doing your job. I'll, I'll just, I won't have to kill you. Well, maybe. I, I don't know. It depends on how mad he was about it because he's probably sitting there. I think what they're implying is that he's like, okay, this is Jason at home before the movie starts. He's like, oh, you know, those jerks. I was in the water. Wait, wait, wait. What did you mean by at home? In his little shack. Oh, okay. He's like, those jerks. I was in the water. Okay, I could have drowned. I didn't know how to swim proper, but I could have drowned because they were off doing it. Uh-huh. That makes me really pissed off. I mean, thankfully, I didn't die. I'm okay. Well, not okay. Well, I mean, I lived. Yeah, but you were scarred for life. Yeah, well, yes, but that's why I'm so pissed off. You're psycho cover. That's why I'm so, I'm so because I'm really pissed off. If they had been paying attention, I would have been okay. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to this camp, and if they're there, and if they're shracking off, if they're doing it... Forget about it. I'm just going to be pissed off. So that's what I'm saying. If he got there and they're like doing all the files. Well, like, let's say he gets there and he looks in and one of them is like, hey, do you want to do it? And the other one is like, that's irresponsible, girl. Yeah, that's probably how it would go. Well, that's not how it went, but that's how it could go. That's irresponsible, girl. We have a job to do. There are going to be campers here. They could drown. So, and the girl goes, oh, I have learned an important lesson and I will never do it again. So... How about that? Again? Ever? Never? Well, I wouldn't even do it when I'm supposed to be working. No, because I'm a responsible person now. Oh, okay. Then Jason would probably be like, okay. You think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good. They're good. So don't be doing it when you're supposed to be at work. Also, yes. Also, though, second moral, just, just stay away from the place where everybody died. The end. I agree. That one's even easier. Then you could do it. Go ahead. Stop going to that camp. Well, uh, well yeah. But I just, I mean, really just don't go to the places where people die. Because... I was going to say he came out and killed the girl, Alice, but only after she went to the place where everybody dies. So don't go there. Scapey, how would you know about places where everybody dies? They tell everybody. It's not a secret. Okay. So what happens Do you mean is, don't go to work at that camp? Or do you mean don't go to the areas of that camp where people the die? camp. Don't go to the whole camp. So here's what happens. I would tell you another story. This is how it could go down, okay? You get a job as a counselor. You get to the camp, and they go, hey, now it's time for spooky time. Once upon a time, 
Everybody came here to this camp and they all died. Oh, oh, Jason might still be alive. And then somebody jumps out. Oh, oh, God, it's scary. And you go, oh, that was a mean trick. And they go, no, it was just a trick. Uh, Jason's really dead. What you do is you go, I resign, sir. I'm giving my resignation. Right now, I'm out of here. And Jason goes, I respect that. And he leaves you around. I think. Okay. Okay. What about the one where I don't ever go to work there in the first place? Well, then he doesn't even know you exist. You're fine. Okay. So that was his reaction. He goes, that's respectable. Yeah. You heard about the dead people, and then you took your first opportunity to leave and say, I'm out. Oh, oh, so he's like, the part of his killing is, is he's going, you morons, you heard about dead people, and you came anyway. I'm killing you just on principle. Yeah. I should have left what you had a chance, sucker. No, no, Machete. I'm not saying that he's upholding the stay away from where people die are. It's more like, he goes, I have a place that if you come to this place, the camp, you're going to get tested. And if you fail the test, I will kill you. If you show up and you go, I understand that being on this campground is a test of my morality. And now that I know that, I would particularly not like to go through that test because what if I fail? So I would like to just take this opportunity to bow out and say, I do. Thank you for having me, but I will leave. Okay, I just want to make sure I understand this. So, number one, Jason is there, he's angry, and he's judging each individual person on their moral compass. Yeah. And everyone failed. Yeah. Did you? Were you not listening? They were like, hey, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, so you think, in this world, he'll respect you if you pass his moral test by going, no, 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 I'll be responsible counselor. And also, if you go, I'm not going to win, I'm just going to bow out now and just not take his test. Yeah. Okay. Basically, yeah. Because, like, again, he's like, this is the test. Are you ready? And if you go, no, I'm not ready. He's like, okay, well, come back when you're ready. What about the cop at the beginning? What? Oh, the cop. He kills at the beginning. And the crazy guy. Oh, oh. The cop came into his house. He's got a right to defend himself. What? But I thought the point was that he's testing people. Yeah, but you can't walk into a guy's house. He'll kill you. That's how it goes. Automatically? Yes. You come into a house, you take your life in your hand. What if he had a warrant? Did he? I don't know. You were the one telling the story. Well, no, he didn't. And you have to present the warrant first, anyway. What about the poor crazy dude? He was spoiling the test. By just saying you're doing Yeah, which I don't tell them, guys. Spoilers, I will kill you. Okay, okay. Okay, well, Scape, I think you've got this genre figured out. I do. Good, good, good. Well, I mean, as far as doing it in a horror movie goes, he's got that figured out. Yeah, you shouldn't. Because you'll die. Yes. Well, I mean, you probably shouldn't do it ever. And you said in a horror movie. No, you could do it in real life. Well, you do it with Alice a lot. Alice from the movie? <laughs> okay, Scape, that's disgusting. He's talking about his stuffed sex. Doll. No, he's not. I'm talking about his stuffed sex. Doll. He's talking about a character in the movie. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Scape Stories. And um, that was part two of Friday the 13th featuring Frank Allen as Lynn Nelson. So next time we'll have uh, part three. So, Scapey, want to queue it up for us? That's right. Come back for the next one. And guess what? Guess what? 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 The next one is going to be in 3D. Hello, my name is Roy Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. This is This Day in History. On May 21st, 1927, American pilot Charles A. Lindbergh lands at Le Bourget Field in Paris, successfully completing the first ever non-stop solo flight between New York and Paris. His single-engine monoplane, the Spirit of St. Louis, had lifted off from Roosevelt Field in New York 33 and a half hours before. I rule. I'm Charles Lindbergh. Take that, Fritchies. Yeah. Oh, 
Ow. Limberg, how long was your flight? What? No, no, my butt hurts. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Did you bring us some Limberg cheese? It's it's Lindbergh, not not Lindbergh. Oh, I'm sorry, senor. I mean, monsieur, <laughs> Lindbergh. Can I, can I speak to someone else, please? I'm Charles Lindbergh, big star. All right, I will bring another Frenchman from this country. Hello, this is Dr. Bouchoir. Well, doctor, whose name I can't be bothered to attempt to pronounce. I'm Charles Lindbergh, a.k.a. Lucky Lindy, big time star. Please give me star treatment now. Well, I hear that you have a pain in the anus, and you would not be so lucky were you to get colon erectile cancer or prostate cancer. I have no idea what you just said, but my butt is killing me. Are we a cancer connoisseurs in France? Yeah, this guy is spouting gibberish too. Please just give me a cushion or something. Oh, I'm sure I'll be fine. Monsieur, monsieur, should you die from prostate cancer, there's a very good chance that, well, you wouldn't be around to protect your children from, say, kidnappings. Look, I haven't slept with one of your French harlots, so there's no way I can get this venereal prostate, whatever it is you just made up. I'm Lucky Lindy. I'm going to bed. My name's Lucky. Everything good happens to me. Good night. Now leave my room. Two seconds later, Lindbergh was dead from prostate cancer. Make sure that you, as you get on in years, have your prostate examined, if you're a man, because it's important not to get cancer. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't stick your finger up your butt. Yeah. My name is Lynn Nelson, a Pulitzer Prize winner, and uh, this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And it's true that um, Lindbergh could have saved his own life if he had let those doctors examine him. I, I know Rory said he died two seconds later, and that's true. But if he had just let them take down his pants and do a little feely-doo, they would have said, oh my gosh, you have prostate cancer, and they would have drained out the cancer really quick. They had cancer nozzles at that point. They could just stick them in. Takes about a second. Boop. Turn it on, the cancer comes pouring out like a liquid. It liquefies it, I think. I mean, it's gross. It's on the floor, did they? But it was an emergency, so they had to do it fast. So they get it all over the floor. It's a, it's a little gross. The hotel's gonna charge him, but he's got lots of money. And that would have been lucky in many ways, because otherwise he dies. So he would have continued being lucky, but he didn't let them do it. So he died, which was unlucky. So make sure that you get your prostate checked up the bum, you know? For men, not me. I'm not a man, but for, for other men who are not me, because I'm not a man. Uh, my name is Lynn Nelson, and uh, this is Celebrity, Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Nathan Van Etten saves Vermont! By Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, and Mickey Weissner. Episode 3. Well, the arrival was... Well, we got there. And when we were there, where else would we be? Um... Are you talking to me, Nathan? God, no, Jane. I'm trying to convey an epic story with a calm, buttery voice. Like... Butter. Oh, Nathan, careful talking about butter when it's just the two of us. You know, one day I'll find that land of lakes. What a day that will be. Butter as far as the eye can see. That Indian lady is probably super nice. Never mention her again. Fine, Jane. 3.5 gods above voice. I am here in Vermont. I am looking for you. What more do you want from me? Okay, right. 
while you howl to the heavens that be, I'm gonna find us a ride to the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Factory Incorporation. I'm in Vermont. He has to be somewhere. Seriously, how big can a state really be? All right, Nathan. First, we should find our hotel and check into it. Then we'll start looking for the voice, okay? Jane, I have one word for you. Your priorities are way out of order. And don't say it. I know that's a a lot of words. Nathan, look. Someone is waiting for us by the exit. Huh. I think they misspelled your name, though. Yeah, they made it out to say Hallmark. I don't get it. Am I famous now? Not that sign, Nathan. The one that the chauffeur is holding? Are you Mr. Von Edson? Oh my god! Nathan, you don't think- That's right, Jane! I don't think as often as possible! I am a man of action movies! Nathan, do you think he's waiting for THE Nolan Von Edson? Oh, that guy? Oh man, he owes me so much checks mix it's not even funny! And I've been wondering how banks can keep track of all those little crunchy bits. Uh, come on. Are you the guy I'm here to pick up? Listen here, Frilly Hat. Nobody picks up my man but me. Ladies, ladies, you're both pretty. I'm sure that if you both lift with your legs and not with your backs... Yeah, you're crazy enough. Follow me, sir. If you ask him to follow you away from me again, I will kill you. Now do your job and give us a ride in your limo. God, these rich types are such assholes. Alright, Nathan. While we're driving, I figure I'll fill you in on a few more discoveries I've made using the Blagoblag. Jane, you know why I never use the internet. There are so many viruses out there, and I have a very delicate immune system. I have to keep myself inside almost all the time to develop it. Don't worry, Nathan. You'll never catch a virus from me. You know that I'm yours, and yours alone. Anyway, it says that the award ceremony is tomorrow, and there's going to be some kind of mystery presenter. Wow! You mean like Alfred Hitchcock? Presenting a mystery each week on Alfred Hitchcock Presents? Who's it going to be? No, Nathan. The mystery presenter doesn't present a mystery. Who it is is a mystery. Well, that's stupid. Why do they call him the mystery presenter then? It's like a surprise, Nathan. We don't find out who's giving the award until the award is actually given. But I already know what the award is! That sounds like the most boring side quest ever! What is this, Legend of Zelda? If the award is a boomerang, I'm gonna flip! God, I am so pooped. I am tired like the premises of the last season of Happy Days. That's okay, Nathan. Let me just set these bags down and check us into our room. But wait! Brightly colored pamphlets! Oh! Caves to explore, fish to see, animals to pet, babies, rivers to dance! We are wasting time here! Nathan, before we do anything else, we have to check into our room. Hello, sir. Our reservation is under Van Etten. Hmm, alright. I have you listed here for two adjoined rooms. Is that correct? No. Alright. Single it is, then. Hopefully not for long. I'll be right back with your key, ma'am. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. Has the band Canute Mag checked into this hotel yet? I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm actually not permitted to divulge that information. (laughs) And if I told you that I happened to spot your car on the way in with the oh-so-slashable tires? 
They'll be here in 45 minutes. Room number? Oh, I can't tell you that. Do you have any idea what jelly beans can do to a gas tank? Yes. That will be room 517, top floor. Thank you for your assistance, peon. Of course, crazy woman. Mrs. Here is your room key. Thank you. Jane, look what they have in this vending machine. They have... <laughs> what is it, Nathan? Did you find the condom dispenser? Please tell me you found the condom dispenser. <gasps> it's you. Uh, excuse me. Do I know you? Ivana, it's you. Ivana Van Doren Manhattan. I just said that out loud. And I don't even care! This is even better than the voice in my head! Whatever are you doing in Vermont, oh siren of my spell list? No, wait! I had something prepared just for this occasion! Ahem! Ode to the girl I write about, which is Ivana! That's you! A rose by any other name would be called something else. How do I count you? Let me love the ways! Your eyes are as deep as... Three quarters of an inch. Oh, hey, aren't you that guy that takes forever at the ice cream store? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you must have seen me following Canute Meg. Yeah, I'm a pretty big deal with them. I'm a pretty big deal all around. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but... Shut up, Jane! Well, I see you're busy with your girlfriend, so I'll just head upstairs. Wait, no, she is, but... No, she isn't! I mean, she... We... I... You... Now... Oh, come back! Well, Nathan, what a shame. Let's go to our room. Jane, you have to fix this. First my voice, then my syrup, and now my future fiancé! I've lost everything that's important to me, and now all I have left is you! Please help me fix this! Nathan, I will help you. First, together, we will help save the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Factory Incorporation. Then, I'll help you find this voice you seem to adore so much. After that, I'll solve the issues between you and Ivana. Finally, we can live happily ever after. Forever. And ever. Does that sound okay? You know, maybe you should add find a dentist to that list. If you keep grinding your teeth like that, you're gonna break a tooth. Don't worry. You will be mine. Don't worry. You will be mine. Thanks for helping me with Ivana, Jane. You're the... Wait. 467th greatest person ever. Hold on. I forgot mayonnaise. Helmets, of course. 468. Urge to kill rising. In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weissner, Jane was Erin Morrissey, the driver was Ed Jones, the clerk was Daniel Schwartz, and Ivana Van Doren was Julia Kelly. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. Now, uh, before we get to our listener mail, I do want to say something. I've actually meant to say this a couple of times, but I've forgotten. I actually recently learned that there are reviews of this podcast on iTunes. People have actually rated it and reviewed it, and that makes me realize I would like you to do that a lot more. (laughs) So if you listen to this podcast, first of all, subscribe through iTunes. It's totally cool. iTunes is great. Why? Because 
Well, the only reason I really say that is because if we if you subscribe to us through iTunes, we can get rated in iTunes and maybe even I mean, I don't know. I don't know that we would ever hit the charts, but you never know. Uh, in addition, go give us stars on iTunes. Give us, you know, five stars if you like us, hopefully, uh, and, and post a little review, you know, talk about the episode. And I'll tell you what, I'll keep my eyes open looking at the uh, the podcast reviews on iTunes. And if you review it there, I will uh, talk about it here. I can uh, read one of the reviews. Uh, for example, here's one. Uh, I don't know exactly when it's from, but it's it's one that's on there. It says, it's from a gentleman named David Nakayama. It says, Cast and Wax is an anthology show featuring half a dozen or so radio-style serials with subject matter ranging from noir to sci-fi to superheroics. All of them are fun, but I find the Guard Duty serial about a team of superheroes during their downtime particularly good. It's a completely unique podcasting experience, and you should absolutely check it out. Now, obviously, this is from a little while ago if they're talking about Guard Duty. So let's fill this thing up with reviews that are current, uh, that talk about, I mean, heck, feel free to talk about the old ones too, but you know, we got all sorts of new stuff in here and I think we still do a great show. So please pop onto iTunes, uh, drop us a review. Um, what else we got here? Here's one from someone named Seattle 500. Uh, I just ran across this show. I'm listening to the moon landing show and love it. I love talking cats. Best show ever. Uh, I have no idea who that person is, but they obviously like it. So that's terrific. Here's another one, uh, from Bale of Quimby, who obviously we, we know uh, a perfect example of what happens when super creative people have too much time on their hands. Cast and wax will draw you in and make you dread actually catching up as it means waiting between episodes. And that's true. And I'm, I apologize for that. As I listen to the old episodes getting ready for these ones, I, I do notice that I used to do it every week. And now again, I'm back to doing it. I try to do it twice a month now when I can. Um, <laughs> anyway, like I said, let's fill up. Up this thing with customer reviews and ratings. Uh, I've only been rated, I think, seven times. So let's like a million times that. What does that mean? That means let's make it do that times a gazillion. So seven times a gazillion would be seven gazillion. That's what I'd like to have it be by the next episode of the podcast. So please do your best to try to uh, review it and rate it. Anyway, time for your audience letters. Please, again, continue to write into us. Our email is castinwax at gmail.com. We never get enough emails, even though we do get emails, but we don't get enough. Uh, this one is for Scapey. It says, Dear Scape, I was stung by a bee yesterday. It really hurt. That's a good reason never to go outside. Anyway, it got me thinking, how do you spell bee anyway? Ford Vicker. Scape, what do you think? What? He, he wants to know how to spell bee. You know, like the bee, the little thing that flies around and stings people like he got stung by a bee. Oh, um... Just, just B, I would think. Just B, just the letter B. Yeah, like what you, do, what you have to think about is some letters have spellings of words like many letters in them. Okay. And other ones are just the letter. They're just, I mean, we might as well just call it a B because here's the thing: if somebody was like, "Hey, what do we call that little bug that flies around and stings things?" and somebody else goes, "How about B?" then what? Who's the Idiot, who's gonna go? How do you spell that? Come on, just with the letter B. Okay, so but then why would they do that with the letter U, for example? Well, I don't know, Dad. They were a dumbass, but I'm just saying with the B, they're just like they're just naming things, and they're like, okay, that one would be B. Wait, so <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. Does that mean that's the second thing that they named? Like they were like, let's name everything. What do you want to call this? That's A. What do you want to call this? That'll be B. What do you want to call the big wet thing? That's the C. I I don't know because what's a a is like like what's hey what what kind of sound should we make when we're like what the heck that's annoying and we go hey what are you doing okay that, I guess that's what they did 
They're like, what, what sound should I make? A, what's that little thing falling? B, what's the big red thing? C. What's D? I, I don't know. What should we call those two guys playing the guitar? The Tenacious D. Why did they throw in Tenacious? Well, I don't, that I just, I don't know. Maybe there was a thing called a D before, and there's not anymore. Maybe it went away. I'm sorry, can I interrupt for a minute? Yeah? Uh, sure. What's up? Why are people writing in letters to Scape about spelling? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess because they think he's a real smart and wise person. So they want to... I, well, uh, obviously that's not true. So w what is it? Why is there? Did you ask people to write in about spelling to escape? I have to admit that is quite unusual. So I didn't see why anyone would do that. I don't know, guys. I don't know. It's very weird. Because I know a lot about spelling. Duh. I, just the other day I was talking to Rain about spelling and I was like, I can tell you how to spell everything. Yeah, he just knows a lot about stuff. Okay, um, Ford, uh, you should spell B with B. Which is funny, though, that you wrote into us to ask us how to spell B since you had to spell it when you wrote into us. But... That's fine. I've got another uh, letter here. Frank, would you mind reading this to me? Oh, uh, sure. Dear Jordan, uh, I would like to order two large cacti. Please make one of them extra spiky. Here is my visa information, 4587. Wait, I, wait, hold on. There's like a whole credit card number here with an expiration and the security code, too. Please send the cacti to Carter Bradley. And then there's a an address. Uh, it looks like North Dakota. I mean, it's got his whole address, too. Thanks, Carter Bradley. Um, boo. Well, thank you for writing in, Carter. I don't know why you th thought I could send you cacti. Uh, I don't typically uh, do that. Um, so I, I don't, I really don't know where you got the idea. Cast in wax. None of that says anything about cacti. Did we, have we done a show about cacti recently? No, I don't, I don't think so. And I don't call that. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Well, at any rate, I'm sorry to say uh, I can't send you I'm sorry, Jordan, hold large. on. Please, can you hold on for a moment? What? Well, just, don't, I'm just saying don't be so hasty. The gentleman needs cacti. Perhaps we can assist him. What do you mean? Well, look, he, he, he sent us his credit card information and says, I would like to order two large cacti. He's got, you know, an address there. I think we can assist him, you know. Uh, for example, if you let me, just forward me that information to my personal email and I will order him the two large cacti with my own substantial amount of money, and then for a, you know, very slight markup, I can then, you know, charge his card with my machines that I use for my extra history, and then send him the cacti, and then I will be providing him a cacti ordering service, which I think is a perfectly valid thing to charge people for, so I would be completely above board, um, I, uh, perhaps, uh, and I will send him a receipt to his email saying how much he's being charged, etc. So, it would be completely, I think, again, above board, 100% legal. Um, just, so, please, just send me that. Ah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know, Rory, that doesn't sound right to me. No, 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 listen, I assure you, it is. Because, again, if I send him a receipt saying, here's how much I'm going to charge you for the two cactuses that you requested, and then I go and I buy cactuses for slightly less than that, and I sell them to him for the amount that I tell him I'm selling them for. So I'm not doing anything dishonest. I'm totally doing the honest thing. I'm just taking the credit card information that he gave me, charging it to my account, giving myself the money that he is is willing to pay for these cactuses, and I am buying him a cactus from elsewhere with my own money for less than he is paying me to get them for him, and therefore I am providing him with a service. Everything is completely on the up and the up. I Well, I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable. It is eminently reasonable. It is one million percent reasonable. So please just forward me. Can you please the information for that? All right. Um, here you go. <sighs> but make sure you talk. I mean, I would say email him first and say, here's how much I'm going to charge you. C please confirm. Absolutely. 
Uh, no problem. I will do... Uh, there's... Yep, there it is. It showed up on my phone. You okay. promise me you'll do that? Yes, of, of course I will. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, there we are. Uh, Rory, speaking of you, um, can you please read this next one? Uh, this one is not actually to anyone who is regularly on the podcast, but it is addressed to someone who is a, a good friend of the podcast and who we discussed a lot on the last episode of the podcast. So, Rory, please. Yes. Dear Mr. Thomas Alva Lame-Ass Direct Current Edison, with the expectation that you listen to the podcast, I'm using it to communicate this missive to you. So, you have discovered a loophole in my curse upon you and have managed to procreate. This will not be tolerated. Understand that vengeance will be mine. And until I find a way to end your lineage once and for all, you can be sure to find plenty of dog sh- on your lawn. Sincerely, Genma Gama Fido Third. P.S. Mr. Frank, what do I need a dog for, Alan? Don't think I have forgotten your role in this either. Know that I am trained to attack specific parts of a human's anatomy. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't do anything, okay? I didn't do anything wrong here. Okay, um, for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, I think what, uh, this, oh, this is, ooh, there's a lot of backstory here. This is a dog, a talking dog that was, uh, given to, to Frank Allen and that Frank, uh, then denied, uh, and, and sent away, and gave away, I should say. Um, and apparently he has a beef with Thomas Edison, who we discovered last episode, uh, possessed the body of Frank Allen with his mental powers so that he could procreate with his wife. Uh, Evelyn, who is not Rory's birth mother, but his one of my one of my mothers. Yes. Right, right, right. Uh, anyway, so Frank, uh, well, you did you 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 submitted to Thomas's plan that you would- look. I know, yes, of course, I did all that. But I'm saying he possessed my body. I didn't actually do the doing of it. Now, and and I exposed it. I was the interviewer who found out about that and told you about it. So you wouldn't know about it if it wasn't for me. Well, you did it by interviewing yourself. Yeah, but I got myself good. I, I, I sprang it on me and they, I, Frank had no idea it was coming. That's not, that doesn't sound possible. Look, the point is, uh, again, I'm, I know you have a beef with me about, cause I didn't want a dog, but please just, I, you don't need to bite parts of my anatomy because I, I didn't, I mean, again, they were used in the, the, the course of the, yes, you know, pregnant making, but I, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel it. I didn't know about I don't, it. I don't see how that has anything to do with it. If Thomas, if you're listening, um, I don't know if you want to write back to us or if you want to write straight to him, uh, that's up to you. If you want to come on the show and answer these charges, that's fine as well. The charges, charges that you're out thinking a curse. I guess that's not really charges. If you want to tell us more about this story, please, please feel free to. Anyway, um, what else we got? I think we've got some more emails. Here's one uh, for Scapey. Uh, dear Scapey. Oh, gosh. This is misspelled really poorly. Uh, dear Scapey, thank Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-U so much for explaining how to spell words like Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-U to me. Uh, lots of people have tried to teach me to spell good, and I never really got it. But the way Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-U explained it made perfect sense. Maybe Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-U could teach how to spell a couple more words in each episode. I never thought that maybe the reason I never learned to spell good before is that I couldn't relate to the teacher so well. Turns out I just needed a teacher as exceptional as me. Love, Davy. Oh, it's our, our, our old friend Davy. Um, P.S. Frank, I miss your 
show were you naughty with Rory's mommy? Frank, you want to go first? No, I just said I wasn't naughty. I did what I did for the business. And that show wouldn't exist if I didn't let Rory's mother get naughty with my body, even though my mind was not present. So I did not experience it. I don't remember it. None of that is is thinking that I would... I'm, my point is I didn't... So basically, I wasn't naughty, no, with his mommy or otherwise. If you say so, you're pretty defensive about the topic. Well, because I, you keep accusing me of well, it. Well, you admitted to it. That's not... I didn't... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Escape. Um, thank you for helping teach him how to spell. Well, again, what is a spelling thing? It's just a thing. Uh, he, but I guess he was helping Davey, I don't know, learn how to spell it. So, Escape, um, we already talked about the letter B and the word B, I guess, being the same thing. Yeah. Do you want to spell any other words for us today? Uh, no. Well, okay. Uh, maybe next time? I guess. You gotta, you gotta let me be ready. I gotta prepare. Okay. Uh, Why, well, is that like all the words you know? Well, pretty much. Ooh, okay. Uh, well, learn some more words. Okay. Oh, that's one. You just spelled okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. What, how, so what does it spell? It spells oh, it spells okay. Like the word okay, okay, A-Y. Wait, what? O- okay. But you just said A-Y. So that's like, you're like, okay, A-Y. No, no, I, yeah, no, that's what I was, I was like, hey, why are you spelling okay? Hey, why? Oh, all right. That's all, so that's all it was, right? Yeah, no, that's all it was. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think we've got one more letter. Let's take a look. Yes, we do. Dear Rory, thank you sarcastically for informing me after I had spent the last of my money moving to New York with my voluminous aggregation of evidently worthless extra historical materials that I need not have brought them. Now, searching desperately for a place to lay my lonely head, I dare not let a single monstrously heavy sheath of paper drop from the inconveniently large cases in which I carry them, lest someone find it, read it, and believe that it is authorized extra historical material when it is not. I write this from a forlorn corner of a Starbucks out of which I may be thrown violently at any moment. What shall I do, John Baptiste Sansaraf? John Baptiste, listen. You have been going off half-cocked on a number of things. I, when I said that you could come to my institute on a, on, a, on a scholarship, which is true, and have a place to live, which is true. I did not say move immediately to New York because, again, as stated fairly clearly, I think, we're not starting classes until the following semester. So right now, there is nowhere for you to stay and, and, and you have no right to stay here. That being said, we will only be too happy to have you come in at the end of the summer. Until then, I, I did not tell you to bring everything. I told you not to bring things. And I did not know that you had spent your money because I did not ask you to spend your money. Look, you understand what I'm saying? The point is, what can you do with it? Well, look, just dispose of it. And I didn't mean, if you're worried about someone coming across it, first of all, I doubt anyone will care. Second of all, you know, dispose of it properly, you know, destroy it, shred it or burn it or something, you know. I'm sure there's a way to make it so that it is not able to be read anymore. So do that with it. And then you'll no longer have to be carrying it. Then you will just have these overly large bags. Perhaps you could sell the overly large bags, make some money, find a place to stay. But I don't know what you expect me to do. I I did not tell you to come up to New York this early. I did not. I did not. I would not. I shall not. No, not that I need to in the any in the future because you've already done it. But the point is, I didn't do it. So please, I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I, I'm sure you are not asking this, but I mean, I'm not going to take you into my home, you know. I've, I've got I've got things in my home that I want to keep there, not make room for someone else. So. Besides, you wouldn't want to live with him. He's he's not any fun to live with, uh, I remember. Yeah, well, yes, but, you know, it was nice of me to allow you to. Right, no, of course, but I'm just saying, given a choice, I wouldn't do it on purpose. I, I had to. I was homeless. 
like this guy is. Well, he's not, I mean, he probably is technically homeless, perhaps. But I'm not going to have him living in my home. That's a very different situation. Just, Jean-Baptiste, you know, do what you can. I, you know, I, I hope that you can find a place to stay. And I hope, I know that living on the streets, it's even more difficult to resist eating lamps. So, oh, God forbid. No, do, definitely don't eat a lamp. I mean, if it comes down to, you know, eating a lamp or, or needing a place to stay, I mean, I might, I might be able to find someone else that you could stay with. Like, you know, perhaps I'll ask our friend Lynn. Or oh, yeah, you go ahead. Why don't you ask Lynn? Lynn? Lynn would let him stay with her, I'm sure. Well, I'll try to get in touch with her then, and maybe no, she... No, you know what? She's actually right here. Hello? Oh, hi! Hi! Hi, Rory Sinjin. It's me, Lynn Nelson. Oh, uh, Lynn, hello. Uh, I, I, I don't see you, but I, that's clearly your voice. So. Yeah, that's totally... It's absolutely me, so um, I'm, I'm on a, sp- a speakerphone. Oh, well, um, my, my word. Uh, uh, so, Lynn, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know if you've heard... What's going on? Yeah, I've been listening the whole time. I just didn't want to say anything until I was mentioned. Oh, well, right. Well, um, uh, so apparently, um, Mr. S- Mr. Sensoroff, Sensoroff I-, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Perhaps he'll tell us when he meets us. But the point is, uh, Jean-Baptiste, he, he needs a place to stay. Uh, you speak French, so um, not that he's from France, but he just has a French name for some reason. Well, I'm always happy to have a, a guest in my house with a French descent of some sort. So, yeah, send him on over to my place. Oh, well, um, thank you. Thank you very much. It's not a problem at all. Okay, I gotta go, so bye-bye. Uh, yes, uh, goodbye. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Jean-Baptiste, apparently, uh, you can stay with our good friend Lynn Nelson, Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nelson. So, um, now you have a, a place to stay. But like I said, at your first opportunity, find a way to get rid of that extra historical material. And if you're worried, someone will find it. Like I said, destroy it in some permanent way. You know, burn it or something like that. The point is, thank you for writing into us. And I'm, I'm really glad we were able to get this settled. Me too. Me too. That's really nice of Lynn to do that. I, it's weird that she was on the speakerphone because I don't remember calling her. No, I think, um, you know what? When you were in the bathroom before she called in and I said, I'll just leave you on speaker. And she was like, well, if I don't have anything to say, I won't speak up. But if you guys mention me, I'll, I'll bring it up. Huh. Okay, that's weird. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening. Write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. That's castinwax at gmail.com. And also, like I said, pop onto iTunes and give us a little review. Give us five stars if you like us, which hopefully you do. And uh, type in some stuff that you like about it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast. So thank you so much. And hmm, anything else we should say? Uh, you're about to hear me doing a quickie ukulele cover. But aside from that, don't eat lamps please, and um, be seeing you. I say don't drink and drive, you might spill your drink. Before you get behind the wheel, just stop and think. You can take your chances, but there's so much to lose. Another bumpy road is so much wasted booze. I'm not so worried about how many I kill. I'm much more concerned with how much beer I spill. How much beer I spill. How much beer I spill. Drink and drive, you might spill your drink 
Before you get behind the wheel, just stop and think. 35% of accidents are caused by pixelated. The other 65% are not alcohol related. What does this tell us about the drunk that seems? They have a better record than the sober team. I'm not so worried about how many I kill. I'm much more concerned with how much beer I spill. How much beer I spill. How much beer I spill. I say don't drink and drive, you might spill your drink.